Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. This is for the passionate Seahawks fans. The ones who care about scheme more than hot takes. The, the, the ones who want X's and O's and not talking heads. From the eye in the sky, this is Seattle Overload. Seattle Overload. With your hosts, Matty F. Brown, Griffin Sturgeon, and Ty Dane Gonzalez. Let's go! Welcome to the Seattle Overload podcast, where Griffin, Ty, and me, Matty F. Brown, are going to recap the Seahawks 2023 NFL Draft. However, before that moment, we have two items of important Seattle Seahawks news. Firstly, the Seattle Seahawks decided not to take up the fifth-year option of linebacker Jordan Brooks. Brooks was drafted in the first round out of Texas Tech in 2020. He had an up-and-down uh, 2022 season, and which ended, sadly, uh, shortly when he tore his ACL. Griff, should Seattle have taken up this option? No, not with the injury. Uh, they have to make sure he comes back the same guy. And then further, if he does come back the same guy, I think there's benefit to rather want uh, uh, to extend him instead because then that 2024 cap hit can be lower than the option depending on on the structure and they typically I think they like cheap year one cap hits they tend to backload a little bit so I don't I don't I don't see I feel like it was a win-win it kind of hedges both scenarios going forward Ty what do you think yeah it gives him an opportunity to if if he is able to get back to even 75 percent to where he was gives him an opportunity to hit free agency a year a year early and protects the Seahawks in case he doesn't have that bounce back as well. So it works out for both parties at the end of the day. Yeah. $12.722 million is is what the fifth year option would have uh, taken up. Uh, you just can't really justify paying that. And, you know, the argument mm-hmm. against first round off ball linebackers is that if you look at the data, they're one of the worst positions for having that fifth year option taken up. And linebackers in general are, are, are kind of cheap uh, uh, contract-wise. Um, but the really rare ones, which Brooks was when he came out as well, and testing-wise, also tape-wise, they are worth paying more money, in, in my opinion. They can do everything on the field. They can stay on the field all three downs. They can do a bit of everything, which Brooks at his best can. The disappointing thing about 2022, and maybe it was because Bobby Wagner departed from the team, 
Maybe it was because, you know, Brooks had to go and be the signal caller as well. And maybe it was because it was just a complete mess all around him, especially up front. But he had a down year. Uh, it was up and down. There was some odd errors. Uh, everyone had odd errors, but Brooks did too. And then that ACL injury is tough. Hopefully he'll recover from that okay. I still think they would have really been more likely to pick up the option if he hadn't got hurt. Uh, but that's it, isn't it, lads? That's it. Yeah. I think in their yeah. mind, they, they still see him as a core player, but they just need to, uh, you know, feel confident about that. And they don't feel confident about that in this moment. So, mm. yeah, the way, just wait and see. Yeah, the way that uh, Pete Carroll talks about him is, like, he it's rare praise that he gives John Brooks. Like, what what's yeah. that phrase he uses? natural player and he's oh. the first guy that he brings up anytime when someone says who are your core guys he's like well i think brooks is that i think woolen is that i think Diggs is that like it's plus yeah. he's already he's not he's not none of it's theoretical he's shown that he can do everything an elite linebacker can do the next question is can he put together a full season and when the area when he hasn't done it consistently it tends to correlate when everyone else is playing poorly like you mentioned and when there are other messes around and sometimes he adds to it don't get me wrong but when they're scheming how they think they want to be he's leading the charge along with two other guys on the defense digs and woolen probably that were a big reason why they turned it around so he's as much of the solution so as, as anyone so yeah hopefully hopefully you know first things first it's just does he come back athletically um so <clears throat> okay so second item of news is may i mean i don't know how surprising it is brooks i don't think was that surprising but disappointing nonetheless puna ford who the seahawks chose not to pay in free agency uh they waited him out they signed jamon jones their blockbuster free agent instead uh, tom pelicero of NFL Network reported that Puna Ford is signing a one-year deal with the Buffalo Bills. Per Pelissero, Ford turned down more elsewhere to try and win a ring in Buffalo. Hmm. This sucks. It does. It does indeed. Griff, what are your thoughts? Uh, yeah, it sucks. Probably out of their price range. The numbers haven't come out yet. I bet the numbers are around four to five million. And right now, with their cap, they can only afford a veteran minimum right now. So it felt my dogs are opinionated as well as you can tell. They um they probably I, f I feel like a restructure would have to be paired with it. I don't know okay. the flexibility they have there or an extension maybe with Nwosu. Um, but yeah, that sucks because it's putting a lot of pressure on the additions. Turnovers, turnover anyway. That's that can be jarring at first. And then you're putting a lot on the rookies that we're going to talk about. I'm not sure that they're equal or better players um, right out of the gate. Um, you know, we've talked about Jaron Reed. Um, it's, I mean, it, and, and then and then the, the hardest part is that, well, no, it's not necessarily the hardest part. But we'll, we'll talk more about the D-line later. But I, I feel like they needed s some continuity here, someone that they can be really confident in that when they're scheming right, gives the scheme what it needs and there's just a lot of question marks so it's now they have to set their sights towards shelby or al um maybe mm -hmm. the, the titans guy they had in here um but yeah there's just so many question marks yeah it feels like this is going to end with al woods making his return and even pete talked about al 
on, I think it was after day three when they did their press conference that, you know, they want him back. So, and Al did, didn't he visit Cleveland and said that like he wanted to wait until after the draft to kind of reassess where everything was. So I, I think that's ultimately where we're, where we're getting to, because like you said, Griff, you, you need some level of continuity. And I, I just feel like now that you know that Puna is gone, it, it, you got to kind of pivot now and just yeah. focus all your energy I on mean, bringing back either Al or Shelby or both. Agree. I mean, like right now, as it stands, one of their main, one of their main guys in the rotation, he's not going to be a starter, but one of them is like a total projection, like Mike Morris. I like him a lot, but he was not a three technique in college, like hardly even on pass downs. So now they're talking about him as an interior player completely and it's like he he's going to be playing probably three to 500 snaps this year as it stands right now and that's not something he's done in college so like we're talking about ideas right now we're talking about theory because that's where they're at and it's like jaron reed might have to play 600 snaps right now that's i'm not looking forward to that cam young's gonna have to take a lot of snaps at this point right now like cam Cam young might be their second best defensive lineman a fourth round rookie so or Whatever he was, was he a fourth rounder? Yeah, he was, was he fourth. He was, yeah. he was fourth. Yeah. So we'll t- we'll talk about the new additions, but the fact remains that off even after the draft, uh, and and in terms of draft picks, and then Jaron Reed, they have just two three over three hundred pound players on their roster, and even with football getting lighter, that is a lack of mass considering the O line doesn't really get lighter when it comes to the NFL. Yeah. Now, what about what, what, what about Robert? Are we counting Robert Cooper, the under? Well, I meant I said draft picks. I, oh, what, is Robert Coop, what is Robert Cooper's weight, Griff? 335. The Seahawks season is saved. But, um, <laughs> what's funny though is that he seems more like a he doesn't seem like he's 335. <laughs> no, anyway. he, he looks kind of yeah. small. Any, I think the arms well, one way to add a lot of beef is the arms. So. If he Hell had, yeah. uh, if he had, yeah. uh, longer arms, he'd be like, he'd be 350 pounds anyway. <laughs> <laughs> that might be overstating how heavy arms are or long arms are. Anyway, just finishing on Puna Ford, I felt with Pete Carroll's comments about our woods, uh, tight. I don't think, I think, you know, if they were grading guys in terms of order, they'd want them back. Puna Ford would have been first. The way Pete said, right. I love our woods, it was kind of like, I love lamp. Um, it was yeah. it was slightly odd, but um, sure. And and they were they did start rattling through each guy. Um, but I feel P- Puna Ford would have been highest on the list, and kind of by the Seahawks' own admission, if you go through their press conference, sort of end of season quotes, not just Pete but uh, Schneider as well, and maybe even Clint Hurt, they said how they liked Puna Ford over the center or or, or outside center, implying head up nose tackle or one technique nose tackle. But throughout the year, he only played uh, outside the shoulder of the guard or as heavy on the guard as a two-eye, really. Now, they mm-hmm. tried to unlock him a bit, playing him as a five-tech in under front, which was a late-season adaptation. Um, but, like, really, they, they didn't play him enough in the stuff he was good at. And so he regressed this year, partly because of the schematic issues, schematic application they experienced. I think there's also a uh, truth in that, I think, it looked like he'd slimmed down to try and rush the passer better, which in a contract year makes sense to try and earn more money. He did have a career best year in sacks, but it was only three. So it's right. hardly like astonishing. And I don't think he'll have got paid that much by Buffalo. Rumor is, you know, as I said, that he got offered more elsewhere. But uh, Buffalo, I don't think on a one-year deal, they'll have offered to pay him too much. Hopefully he gets the wing of 
ring with them. It's just a shame how it's ended in Seattle, given that he played some really good football here. Uh, it's just the 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 mess of last year, and then the way that they've gone about free agency. You could say they've mishandled it, um, but it, they've lost a solid player. And as Griff said, like you're you're lying a lot on the unknown, not just in the fact that they're rookies, not just in the fact that they're day three or undrafted free agents, but also in the fact that there's projections. We, yeah. <laughs> Buddy, this isn't their position. Um, well, yeah, and it just feels like an over-reliance on scheme, right? Like, oh, it just it doesn't matter really what the personnel looks like as long as we can scheme it. And I just, mm, I don't know. The the uh, Yeah, so like we'll, and again, we're getting ahead of ourselves, but we'll be able to still keep things relative by like the aggregate numbers might change, but that can be positive or negatively, but that will be a reflection of how much they do of X, Y, and Z. But we can still look at their performance from last year to this year in X and in Y and in Z, even if they do less and more of each, we can still keep it consistent. And then we'll really know if they actually got more or less talented or maybe talent is the right, wrong word, what the execution uh, discrepancy was, if there is one. Um, like they can, they can have worse numbers in three, four or in bear, but still be better overall just by doing more bear more three four but it just depends sure. on on how much that that falls so um yeah a lot so a lot is being placed on the shoulders of draymond jones and nawosu right now mm. um to carry a load and then of course the development of other players but maybe maybe the takeaway also is that bear doesn't require you to be as talented because you're going to be one-on-one a lot of the time i think that's slightly yeah. misguided but there is an element of truth to that it's it's just well it's certainly it's def it's i mean how much easier it is is a is it could definitely be up for debate but it's it's easier than what they were doing in the 245 i mean that's just putting an extreme amount of stress on a defensive tackle um like we've beat to death there are so few defensive tackles that would have in the league that would have performed well in what they did last year how they did it and how often they did it mm -hmm. so anyway i mean these guys they brought in aren't going to do they're going to they'd be even worse in it. So. Yeah. So let's talk about the guys that they brought in. So the NFL draft happened. Seattle made a lot of picks. <laughs> I don't know the exact. Uh, I think it was 10. I Pretty sure it was 10. Yeah. But like when was the, it was 10, but when was the last time they did this? Like made 10 picks. There was that year where they made a lot of picks which weren't very good. 2017? Mm. Was that the Odiambo, Procise, Vanette draft? Mm. Yeah, cool. you might be right. But what was unique about this draft for Seattle was not only did they make a large volume of picks, but courtesy of the Russell Wilson trade, uh, a small trade down as well with uh, the Denver Broncos, although that didn't let them an extra pick this year. Oh, no, it did. Anyway... Basically, they picked high. So they mm. picked five overall and picked cornerback Devin Witherspoon. There'd been much speculation out of Illinois. There'd been much speculation that Seattle would draft uh, Jalen Carter. I heard that Anthony Richardson was the number one player on their board. Obviously, Will Anderson was such an obvious fit, even though he wasn't a uh, Seahawky in the way he rushed the passer. But with uh, Will Anderson Jr. gone and Jalen Carter seemingly not on their board and the importance of character once more raised in the post-draft press conferences after it being harped on uh, earlier in the pre-draft stuff, Devon Witherspoon was the pick. 
which we Griff we mocked. So pat on the back for us, Ty. I'm sure you'd have <laughs> taken part in that and, and done that as well because you know we we did it under the pretense where we said, okay, let's go corner here for the sake of the. Let's be so day. random. Um, yeah. and and this Seahawks draft overall actually kind of reads random, but with a spoon, Griff. With your spoon, I hardly know her. What are you talking about? Um, the the uh, yeah. So, are you asking me what I what I think about this pick? Yeah. Uh, I like it a lot. I think it's really well. One, it's really cool that they went corner, and um, and I really like Witherspoon as a player. Um, it's it's uh, but. Would I have preferred other guys before the draft? Absolutely. If you presented to me three scenarios where I could ensure one of them happened, Witherspoon would not have been the first one. In hindsight, I've definitely talked myself into him, talked talk myself into the whole concept of going corner over D-line, stuff like that. Um, but so, I mean, yeah, I, I like the pick. The The alternative scenarios are interesting. Obviously, Anderson didn't fall to them, so we don't even have to worry about it. Um, there was so much talk about Tyree Wilson like publicly on and off the record and they didn't go there. Maybe that was, maybe it was never true or maybe it was something about his medicals gave them pause at the very end. Um, and then obviously they passed on Jalen Carter and I understand it. So I'm not going to bemoan that. I still, if I was Lord Emperor of the universe, I would have taken Jalen Carter at five, I think. Uh, but I'm still really happy with Devin Witherspoon and what that means for the secondary stuff. But what uh, what did you guys think about the pick and everything? Yeah, so the Carter thing is really interesting. In a perfect world, I would have loved that. You know, I would have loved for it to be Carter. But there's obviously some things behind the scenes that impacted this decision that we aren't privy to that made them feel uncomfortable to pick him. Because let's be honest about it: if he didn't have all the stuff going on, he's he's the pick at that spot. I have no doubt about that. And with regards to, to Wilson, you know, we heard before, like, what, 24 hours before the draft, something like that, that a few teams had flagged uh, Wilson uh, for his uh, foot thing. So mm-hmm. maybe the Seahawks were one of those teams and the Raiders weren't, and that's why he still went relatively high um, after the after the Seahawks passed on him. Who knows? I just, I, I think the pick would have been Richardson, right? But he goes the pick beforehand. So really... At that point, you're left with two options. Trade down and lose out on Devin Witherspoon because Lions were likely taking him. There was, I forget who now, uh, I apologize, but uh, someone uh, said that they had heard that that was the case, that the Lions were set to take Witherspoon, and that's why they traded out. Uh, That came out Mm -hmm. today. Um, Mm -hmm. So it was, you know, what was more valuable to you? Best corner in the draft or someone that gives you an elite, secondary potentially or whatever you can get in a trade down <coughs> and so they opted for the uh for the former there and you know i don't really blame them again you know we'll talk about smith and jigba as well in a second but to come out of this draft with cb1 and wide receiver one it i mean you have to feel great about yourself mm-hmm. so overall i'm i'm into the pick i was a little you know taken aback at first because i just i hadn't really thought about Witherspoon or given much consideration to that because mm-hmm. they just one because they just have never taken corner that high and two because I thought it's going to be Wilson or Anderson or Carter or whoever uh, but I, I like the pick overall um, 
I think it's a, a it's a good selection, and they got someone that's going to be, you know, at the end of the day, when you have an asset like that, just get a really good player, get a blue chipper, and I think that for sure, I think that Weatherspoon is a blue chipper. So, yeah, yep, I agree. Um, I, I agree, and I have to say, watching guys through, you know, watching the tape, Anderson didn't feel seahawky to me in the sense that you know his style of edge rush wasn't that, and I I suspect they would have taken him if he was there, but he didn't feel seahawky. Anthony Richardson did because of just how traitsy he was, and maybe he'd have been the pick. And it's interesting to me that uh, Pete Carroll unprompted raised him first. Um, Schneider, when asked about not drafting quarterbacks, was like, "Well, three went before us." <laughs> like, and then he said how he can't force things. Well, forcing a trade up mm-hmm. with Arizona would have been so expensive. Like the, mm-hmm. in division, I don't even know if they'd have done that. Um, mm-hmm. And then suddenly it just creates a weird dynamic. Whereas if you sit at five and you take a quarterback, which Schneider, Carroll informed Geno Smith and Drew Lockov of the potential of doing that, uh, that's a thing. Uh, Tyree Wilson felt really Seahawky to me, but the medical thing, uh, Schneider mentioning after day two that the draft was super random and they, they'd had guys come off our medical board already. So guys, they had medical red flags on and that's throughout the draft. Well, during day two and day one, they were drafted too. Maybe Tyree Wilson was that, maybe not. But he felt Seahawky in his style, more Seahawky than in terms of the traitsy elements than like a Will Anderson did. But then uh, I, I'm missing some. Oh yeah, Jalen Carter. As soon as that off-season report came out, I I thought they're not going to do that. It's just yeah. Obviously, right. there's due diligence, but they were speaking so much about character. Schneider said we generally do best when we take the best players. Um, it just didn't feel uh, right. Um, and he kept mentioning yeah. how. They drafted uh, grown men and, uh, and and leaders and alpha dogs and and all this right. stuff and and clearly that was on on the the forefront of their mind and so Witherspoon felt like a complete like Seahawky player when I watched the tape and then you hear Pete Carroll compare his character to reminding him of a Troy Polamalu in the way that he competes I mean it's just so obvious uh, and compared to say like I know Christian Gonzalez ended up going later than people expected but. Watching him and then watching Witherspoon, like I said at the time when we did a, well, I think we briefly talked corners. I, I mm-hmm. Griff asked me who my cornerback one was. I said Witherspoon because he just, just the way he plays the game, uh, just his style of coverage as well as technique wise, it just fits what Seattle's doing so nicely, and and you know so it proved. So it's also cool, you know. We'd heard as Griff said, um, you know, it's cool they took a cornerback early. We'd heard that. Uh, Derek Stingley was in consideration for them. We'd heard that um, Source Gardner as well would have been a pick for them. So, you know, as much as it's nice that they take corners in the third round, like a Shaquille Griffin and do well with them, or Tariq Woolen or Richard Sherman in the fifth rounds of drafts, they're actually going and getting a corner who they love the character of. A guy who can play nickel or can play outside in the system. A guy who can hit, a guy who can blitz. Uh, a guy who brings it against the run and a guy who seems like a very good leader and isn't mm-hmm. he's not super old i think you've just got to love all these things now the stuff he can work on and uh we, we'll, we'll break down we should say we'll break down the tape of each prospect in more detail we'll do it week by week each draft pick but like as much as it it, it was disappointing that they just obviously said carter wasn't the right guy for them but it wasn't actually surprising yeah. And at that point, who are you drafting? I'm glad they didn't right. have to pick at seven. That's that's yeah, for sure. Yeah. Re-emphasize yeah. that they got their guy. Um, 
there's an argument to be made, even if you feel like Anderson is a fairly safe pick, because I know there are concerns with like the bend and everything, like for a guy to pick that high. There's still an argument to be made that Devin Weatherspoon was by far the safest pick of the blue chips. Um, like I again, I still would have taken the other guys, but it is kind of nice to come away from the draft and tie tying in with what you said, Ty, like just knowing that you got a guy, a blue chip. Um, and then and then again it coming at the secondary when you've already got Tariq Woolen and then you've got prototypical free safety for when you want to play cover three, prototypical strong safety, provided Jamal comes back the same guy when you want to play again uh, cover three and then but then also the, they're interchangeable fairly enough anyway and too high stuff the fact that you could very well have a top five secondary that's totally within their grasp um mm-hmm. so would going d-line make your roster front to back on the on defense be more balanced yeah it would but if you can assure one area of your team is like elite elite then you can scheme accordingly and you can lean on them when you want to and accentuate them when you want to. And it kind of allows you to deal with your weaknesses um, in, in uh, easier ways, like just having the assurance is awesome. And and the idea that they could be top five is rooted in the fact that, well, just think about how quality Diggs is. Think about how good Tariq Woolen was last year. Julian Love is a solid hedge and just a good player in his own right. Jamal Adams could come back. And then, of course, Devin is Devin. But l- let's remember from week six on last year when they kind of got their act together um there's some turnover but they were like the sixth or seventh ranked pass defense from week six through 18 last year that doesn't sure uh, strength of schedule randomness whatever you want to call like playing with splits whatever but it just shows that what they already had that's what they're capable of so now you're adding devin witherspoon to that if anything you're kind of you're making sure your floor doesn't fall again you're making sure you don't start week one two, three, four, five, like just falling apart. And then it, it ascends your ceiling to an absurd level. And and it's not like, again, it's not like they don't have a foundation here in coverage. They, they were a really capable team at times last year. So for prolonged stretches. So I think this just really reinforces it. And they're finally saying like, we're just, we're going to be elite on the perimeter. We're going to, we're going to make a pro we're going to be a problem for teams we're going to be a mismatch team you you you're going to have an issue when you play us um so and and i and i don't think that was pre-planned it was just more like let's see who comes to us at five make the best decision and then we'll kind of reframe our thinking accordingly that's kind of what they what they've done they're all in on their secondary i mean it's it's awesome um so so come on time for the gross part before i talk a bit more about positional value griff grade grade the pick I said a minus, but that minus was only out of um, uh, that was only out of disappointment for wanting Carter Witherspoon himself is an A, um, mm-hmm. and and wanting to balance out the roster because I also thought strategically going D line early made sense because that let the the draft fall accordingly. Sure enough, look what happened. The next d- defensive lineman they take is in the fourth round. So, uh, and he's just a. He can be a good one, but he's only intended to be a run stuffer, and you can find those guys anywhere all the time. Um, so and that's that's not entirely true, but anyway. So th- that's why I think a minus. But anytime you get a blue chip, I'm not complaining, man. He's it's a it's a it's a great great pick. So Ty? I can't remember if I did uh, B plus or a minus because that was also just based off of what you know griff said and in, in terms of being disappointed that it wasn't carter uh but overall yeah now that i've had a couple of days to 
digest the pick and and think about it and look more into it and all that yeah it's an it's an a for me uh at the end of the day you got a blue chip player that's going to make one of your position groups potentially one of the best in in football so um can't really have any complaints with that yeah i'm going to give it an a minus just because is this is the bad process and this isn't how you should operate but they've been very good at finding cornerbacks in later rounds and so so really it, it should be an a what yeah i mean it is a deep corner it was a deep corner class there are high quality starters to be found in the second third and fourth round this year so yeah and i'd have mm-hmm. i'd have loved, like uh, with a lot of things i'd love to know you know how seattle evaluated them how they had them graded you know what what difference was with a spoon i mean when he's that rare a character as pete Howell was saying i mean he must have just been off the charts yeah. in terms the, of their like intangible the, stuff for sure there's well, i would i would also go ahead oh sorry sorry go ahead no you, you go ahead ty well i was just gonna say that I, I would be curious to see how they would rank them uh, or how they would rank witherspoon in comparison to stingley and gardner exactly that's the other thing i wanted to know so really quick Maddie, what you, what you said with Witherspoon, like as an individual, not just their eval of him as like pure corner on the field, all the whole picture, right? There's definitely a je ne sais quoi going on there with him that they felt like they couldn't say no to. Like anytime Pete Carroll brings up Troy Polamalu, like that's that's the name he brought up with Earl Thomas. Like to he to Pete, like that's just a guy who is just there's something about him, you know, and, and in ways that translate tangibly onto the field. But then yeah, so so Ty, I wondered that too. Like there was that there was concrete reason to believe that they actually would have taken Stingley last year if he fell and they thought that he might because of his injuries in college mm-hmm. and that they actually had him surprisingly considering their, their, their history over, over Gardner, which I think that was the consensus pick, but for Seattle that they would also have Stingley over Gardner was, was of note. But then Pete mentioned something like Witherspoon is one of the best, or he said something I can't remember what his exact wording was, but it was in the post presser that he was not a guy that we have seen in recent years. So something like that to insinuate that they might actually have had him higher than Stingley, Gardner, Sertain. I mean, I'm curious. We haven't seen a guy like this, he said. Right. And and maybe he's just hyping his pickup, you know, like it could be anything. But uh, I, I would like to know, and that could apply to other things, not just their playing style. So, but yeah, I would I would love to be that fly on the wall, Ty, as you're talking about me. Like, how do you stack him up with Stingley, with Gardner, with Sertain, with Horn coming out as prospects? Um, where where does where does he really fit? So Griff, does I, it upset I love it. you that um I mean I know in the past you've had issues with this, uh that the Witherspoon's under six foot. I know you you're a bit heightist. I like the short corners. I don't mind. DJ Reed radicalized me, man. If you and what's yeah. funny about Reed was that he wasn't even that great of an athlete. He was an okay athlete. He's just he's just all fight, all dog, and technique and smarts, and like okay. it adds up, right? Um, so w- Witherspoon is basically that, but also extremely athletic, right? So, um, thank you for taking that question sincerely. Yeah. So, <laughs> of course, anything for you, Maddie. There you go. So Seattle, interestingly, as we've already alluded to, then went and drafted a wide receiver. So in terms of upgrading the perimeter, like Griff saying about them taking the perimeter seriously with cornerback, cornerbacks on the franchise tag earn $18.16 million, which is uh, higher than, for instance, the safety, um, just below a linebacker. 
uh, slightly below a defensive tackle, but higher than a tight end, higher than a running back positions that Seattle have taken in the first round in the past. Uh, then Seattle took a wide receiver who Jackson Smith and Jigwood doesn't play on the perimeter, but 19, $19.76 million on the franchise uh, tag is the, the cap number for wide receivers. But Njigba is a wide receiver of three, and I'm trying to find the Pete Carroll quote exactly, but he said after the draft that wide receiver of three was a big deal for Seattle coming to the draft. It was like a, a area they really wanted to address. So, uh, Ty, this was your dude, right? You really wanted him. You were so happy when this happened. Yeah, well, I really just wanted a wide receiver three in general, just like they did. And I thought that if you were going to do it in this draft, you had to do it at pick 20 or after a very small trade down because I mean, because to me there was a, a massive cliff after the first four guys and look exactly what happened after they take JSN Quentin Johnson goes next and then it's uh, Zay flowers and then it's uh, Jordan Addison all mm -hmm. consecutively. So, and I, I, I didn't, you know, I thought that Johnson was redundant with having DK and all that stuff. So he was, not in consideration for me but addison flowers jsn i really would have been happy with any of the three but jsn especially i think he has the most upside and i think he fits exactly what they need uh to a t because he can create after the catch he plays incredibly well over the middle he plays well in very you know in short yarded situations because he's just he's an absolute technician at the line of scrimmage and he wins consistently at the line of scrimmage and so in terms of quick game, in terms of, you know, the routes that Gino loves to throw, all that, he fits that perfectly. And so it's just, he's such a great compliment to Lockett, who's getting older, and we've talked about that a bit. And and DK, who, you know, is incredibly talented, but also very limited in his route tree. So it's just, it's 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 perfect it's, it's absolutely perfect it gives the, it unlocks a dimension that they just haven't had in this offense they tried to do that with d eskridge it just unfortunately didn't work because of you know partly because of injuries and what have you but this to me was and i i don't want to get super hot takey on here but this to me was kind of a statement from seahawks saying like we don't want to just have a good offense like we want to have the best offense in the world and mm -hmm. because it's 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 a luxury at the end of the day you don't need you don't absolutely need a good third receiver to go far to do whatever you want to do but having that guy unlocks so much more stuff for them and with mm -hmm. the way that they want to throw the ball and we saw it at times whenever you know marquis goodwin would have the occasional good game what having that third receiving option does for this team for this offense so i'm thrilled like that's an a plus 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 pick to me agreed 100 percent with all that uh yeah like so i mean what we talked about smith and jigba specifically totally agree with all of it and then back to your original comment how like you would have been okay with addison and zay flowers too i'm right there with you like honestly i really wasn't sure who i really had um as like my one, my two, and my three, I, I I would have talked myself into any one of those three had they taken them. And each one takes you down a slightly different path and stylistically in terms of what offense you do with how they fit with or around those two. Um, but the one thing about Smith and Jigma that he has over those two is that exactly what he is, what he will be in the NFL, 
is the most clear is the most like transparent like what he is in college is exactly what he's going to be in the nfl with addison it's what he is in college theoretically is most valuable in the nfl but there are viability concerns with him running only a 449 at 511 170 with short arms it's like if he ran a 438 people right or wrong would go okay Devonte smith and they wouldn't worry about the height and the weight but because he ran a 449 it's like uh yeah he theoretically can be the do-it-all perimeter guy but is he even going to be viable so is his not viable in the in the sense that is his is his college presence as a de facto number one how he stresses a college defense is he going to do the same thing in the nfl if you take him around dk and tyler with gino like he's going to be productive but it's just there are question marks with jackson smith and jigma there are no question marks with zay flowers you get some redundancy with tyler which can be a good thing in the right hands because you get energy because redundant the flip side of redundancy is interchangeability it's be really fun you, you you stay explosive forever he can do some some possession stuff on the outside but you probably don't run him over the middle as much not because he can't but just because you know the the frame um you know you're running more deeper digs perhaps not as many intermediate digs um and again they'd still use that would have been fine but let, like you said ty jackson smith and jigma is just on paper around dk and tyler is frankly perfect um so it's it's like yeah sure why not I, it, I'm, I'm i'm i mean not sure why not it's i'm all for it um and i totally see the argument for him over zay and jordan um it's just because there are the fewest question marks of the coolest part and then that's the coolest part and then um yeah the statement of they want to they want to have like, the best offense possible they, they really attacked an area that wasn't a weakness per se so much as an opportunity to get so much better yeah um so um- and we'll, and we'll get into this more. Sorry, just real quick. We'll get into this more, though. But, like, in, in terms of the, you know, having a great offense, like, they feel stacked at pretty much every offensive position now. Like, right. line, line seems like it's in a really good place. Tight end is a little questionable, and I would have preferred for them f- to walk away from this draft with a tight end. But, you know, and that's mostly because, like, who knows what's going on with Disley's injury and all that. They keep on saying it's unique and all that stuff, and that's concerning whenever you hear Pete Carroll use that kind of terminology. Plus, they, you know, Fant and Parkinson are free agents, et cetera, after the end of this year. But overall, like, they just, they have an abundance of talent everywhere. And it just feels like they're really emphasizing that that side of the ball and and that they just they want to be dominant they want to and maybe that's also a response to the fact that you know they're not sure how this thing is going to go on defense so they feel like they need to add a lot of firepower on the offensive side of the ball as well in in case they're going to have to play these high scoring games this year right maddie how did you feel about it well, on the fit, I felt it was very cool how Schneider said similar stuff to what we've been saying. He was like, D- uh, Tyler can uh, still go vertical. DK's more of a power guy. Like, he's that power X sort of thing. Like, mm-hmm. Smith and Jigba fills a very different role on the offense, day one, fit-wise. And then what's cool about him is, as well, he's, you know, he's like six foot and a half and 196 pounds. Like, a lot of the other guys in this class were not that size. They were not right. big. Now, 196 right. pounds at six foot and a half is slightly skinnier, but he, you know, he put on some weight. And the three cone of 6.57 seconds, the short shuttle of 3.93 seconds, those are like top, top tier, especially that short shuttle. They're incredibly high elite. numbers, elite. like just so high. 
And you think about how Schneider liked uh, Three Cone King and Julian Edelman. He's always been had a bit, had a bit of a, a thing for these kind of nippy slots. Tried to get it done with uh, John Ursua. Uh, tried to get it done uh, with Doug Baldwin to a higher success rate, a much higher success rate. But like Smith and Jig were doing this in the first round. How about that? And it is a luxury at this point. Uh, and I think it allows Geno Smith to really go to work and speaks to the trust that they have in him to operate from a, a pocket as a, a passer and dish mm-hmm. it out, a distributed round. But also I like how proactive it is with the fact that you can take Tyler Lockett's health for granted and you can take uh, DK Metcalf's um, uh, health for granted and also his production. But Lockett in particular is getting up there in age now. This is a move... Uh, not not just for now, but for the future, the nature of draft picks, mm-hmm. young players. You know, are you concerned that Smith and Jigba only appeared in three games in 2022, very limited usage, and ended up uh, not finishing the season with a hamstring injury? Slightly. He says he's fully healthy now. Uh, he was able to run his 40. He clocked in a 4-5-2 at the combine, and then a 4-4-8 at his pro day. Unofficial, that is obviously it's a pro day time. But uh, yeah, really cool. And, yeah. yeah. Well, and the, the flip side out. of that too, right? Like the the lack of games that he played last year. I mean, if he did play a full season or close to that, you're probably not coming away from this draft with Devin Witherspoon and Jackson Smith and Jigba. So, right, right, know. right. Yeah, and um, I didn't said that. He acknowledged that. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. (laughs) Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. The 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 the, the 452 at the com- like yeah, the pro days you never know, but the 452 at the combine surprised me because I wouldn't have been surprised nor would I have flinched. At taking him at 20, had he ran like a 4.6. Keenan Allen ran a 4.7. Um, like, what, what did Michael Thomas run? Did he run like a high 4.5 or something? Um, so you can make it work in the slot. You may not be the, the, the explosive oriented one, but the fact that he ran a 4.5 too, like, again, I don't, I didn't see that on his sophomore year, but it's entirely possible 
that he is legitimately faster just by getting with like a speed trainer and stuff. And and if and if he was actually a four six guy on tape, and now he's actually a legit four five flat guy, then that that does benefit his game too, um, in in a lot of arenas. And yeah, Maddie, like the biggest thing with him is like you mentioned all those slot receiver names, right? And then the theme with those guys is those guys are like five nine, five ten, one seventy, one eighty, moving like that. So. And they're great players, right? So, but what's special about him is that he moves like those guys, as you were saying, but also like you were saying, at six one, almost six one, nearly two hundred pounds. So, and that matters. Like play strength matters. His, his, even though he's not like a crazy go up and get a guy with crazy hands, he still can play outside of his frame. And but his 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 implicit frame is bigger than than it is. You know, his radius, even if he's not going up and getting it, so to speak. It's still bigger than the five ten guys. Just you know, like his hitbox is bigger. So, um, yeah, it's it's exciting stuff. So, his hitbox. You a gamer, Griff? Yep. Um, that that's how I think about it, though. Is uh, like like Jimmy Graham, like people. Jimmy Graham's hitbox is huge. Even if he's not like draping all over people, he's just he's six seven. You know, yep. like you can't do anything about it. Yeah. Um. So, so so being six one versus five ten will show up in certain ways, especially when he moves like the five ten guys. That's what makes him so special. So so does Devin Witherspoon have aimbot on then? We're using gaming terminology. Gino, uh, Gino's got aimbot. <laughs> Gino has yeah. aimbot. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so just the peak quote was, "That's what we were in pursuit of in the draft." talking about the third receiving option. That's why I was so excited to have gotten him. And as you said, Ty, and it's a theme, like Seattle had the opportunity to start a run on the position, and they did this time. Now, later in the draft, they declined that chance. But uh, it's cool that they kind of, you know, that's what picking high, uh, this was basically, you know, because it's their second pick. uh, It's what And going best player available, which they did, basically, um, that's, uh, you know, that's why it, creates those kinds yeah. of opportunities one last one last thing i, I want to say is when it comes to uh like attrition and stuff like yeah depth is good because three is more than two just regardless of skill set types right but when they do regress or at least when they regress the geno it's the the explosive stuff the ability to get vertical didn't really die it's the possession oriented stuff the the, the snap to snap consistency and his specific skill set kind of uh, supports that floor from not falling too far. It helps them stay. It kind of it kind of preempts the the attrition, not just by virtue of depth, but his specific skill set will help help allow will allow them to stay more consistent and more possession oriented and just keep moving the chains. Um, because as as protection might wane due to injury, Gino having to play faster, JSN fits right into that of of of, of complementing that effort so um it's it's just it's really good from a lot of different angles um yeah yeah. so good stuff so after that period they seattle picked at 37 overall and before that i tweeted that i'd be happy if they came away with um ojalari uh (laughs) and um uh by alabama's byron young and then cameron young so, instead of B.J. Ojolari, who tested very poorly, at pick 37, they took Auburn's Derek Hall, mm. which was a name that we, we were familiar with and we hadn't rated highly. Um, but he was, like Ojolari, the last of the outside linebackers who 
were over 250 pounds and had over 34 inch long arms who weighing in at 254 oh we didn't grade smith and jigba grade it quickly a plus 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 i'll give it an a thank you very much but Derek hall 254 pounds 34 and a half inch long arms which nice great yeah, and his overall relative athletic score per Kentley Platt at MathBum on Twitter was nine point three seven, which was the ninety eighth out of one thousand five hundred forty five uh, defensive ends uh, in terms of athleticism. So very athletic. Uh, one point five five ten yard split, a ten foot seven broad jump, a four point two second short shuttle. Uh, which agility wise, he did way better than his tape shows, <coughs> or maybe it doesn't. So, Griff, you're the edge rush guy. You're the D-line guru. Um, what, what, how do you feel about uh, this pick with uh, the dust settling? I, I liked him. I just thought he was a third-round prospect. I, I guess with the cliff hitting in the draft and then the, the combine being what it was, I guess maybe he had to go in the second round. Um, they really emphasized like character and, and, and competitive fire with him. So clearly there's something that they that they got from this guy that made them really confident to go there especially when you know they had a obviously a, a much more pressing need on the on the interior um and and john schneider kind of alluded to others a guy who went the third that they wanted that they were maybe surprised that went and then um that was probably byron young in a likelihood but then also like benton was there and while maybe 37 felt like a slight overdraft he still ended up going 49 and but Derek Hall also felt like an overdraft so like that wouldn't necessarily be the deterrent so clearly just really like Derek Hall like that's that's one thing to take from this um as a player I mean it's it's uh like I don't think he's that stiff I think he's actually fairly fluid and coordinated I think he's just inconsistent with his approach but his combine on tape he looks like he's more like 85 percent of his combine and again, that's kind of like he plays that way. Maybe their thinking is he, he can time up his um, the snap more. Maybe the the pure get off will will assert itself a little bit. And then the traits at the top of the rush. He does do some stuff at the top of the rush where he just looks like man, he's an explosive, strong, weight adjusted two fifty five guy that is just a lot to handle. He just doesn't do it as frequently as you want to see. He does have some really good games, but he also has some really bad games. So. With the idea that that was his age 21 season, maybe they think we can harness the good games. And that is their MO with D-line, especially in the second round. That's also the nature of second second round prospects anyway. But Daryl Taylor in college had a lot of really good games and some games where he just does nothing. Frank Clark was the same at Michigan. Um, I mean, Malik McDowell was that way as a prospect, just as a player, like some truly first round stuff and then second, third, fourth round stuff, right? So, I mean, that's kind of Derek Hall. I don't know if the highs are that high. I don't know if the lows are that low either, though. Um, he definitely he definitely figures to be a good run defender as well. Again, 255 matters. It matters for a lot of reasons. Um, I'm I'm glad that they've got a, three guys in that weight class between Nwosu, Mafe, and Derek Hall. Like, that's clearly what they want. I still think it's worth to, to bet on Daryl Taylor just because the explosiveness is so explosive, even though he's probably 245. Um, but anyway, um, it's uh, again, like when we do, when we do the, uh, 
the in-depth tape breakdown. And I'm going to go through and watch just about every college snap of Derek Hall. And we're, we're going to see like what kind of rusher he is, what the themes are, and then what they think they can harness and then and then uh, blow up for a larger sample. So, um, yeah, that, that's that's all I got on. That's all I got on Derek Hall. What do you guys think? Well, on the point uh, that you made about Seattle really liking him, Schneider, you know, he referred to the upsets, uh, which we can talk about when we reference, uh, well, when we talk over Seattle's decision to trade down out of the third round. But when he was speaking about Charbonnet, who again we'll talk about, um, he said how we knew we wanted to take Derek and then uh, how they kind of blew Zach Charbonnet off because they didn't think they'd have a shot at him. So Derek was clearly the best guy uh, for them there. Uh, we did wonder if Michael Mayer would would be the pick, um, but obviously he got taken before Seattle's. But uh, Derek was clearly highly regarded. So cool that they got their guy. It does uh, remind me a bit of Boye Maffe, uh, and they said it did too in the fact that he was athletic. The good news is, though, that Hall, for me, is like a much uh, better, savvier, more aware football player right now than Maffe was coming out. Maffe was uh, super raw and kind of clunky, uh, and kind of similarly linear and north-south. So this is clearly their new type. Um, but the mm-hmm. thing with Hall for me is even if he doesn't offer much as a rusher, which maybe he will with what Griff spoke about, he sets a really solid edge, really good edge. In theory, <coughs> he should be able to learn coverage stuff and, and be able to uh, drop into coverage effectively. But the way he sets an edge means you won't have to go and sign Daryl Johnson off the street because Daryl Taylor can't be trusted to set an edge. And the way he sets an edge means you won't go and have to sign 35-year-old Bruce Irvin off the street because you can't trust Daryl Taylor to set an edge and Daryl Johnson's got injured. Like, they now have an actual edge rush rotation of Chen and the Rose, who's Daryl Taylor, Boye Maffe, who in his second season should hopefully be there, and then Derek Hall, all very athletic with, with good testing numbers uh, and and I like how Hall offers a kind of different dimension to their rush. In terms of the Sports Info Solutions uh, pressure percentage and stuff like that, uh, I'm trying to find where he ranks on it, which kind of speaks to the fact that he didn't do too well in that area. He's 25th overall with an 11%, which is tied with uh, Robert Beale Jr., Isaiah Foskey, Dylan Horton, Tyrus Wheat, Jordan Wright. So not great. Yeah. Tight. Also, some of it really quick. Sorry, on the production point. Sorry, Ty. A lot of it is... Uh, the, in in so like they play Auburn plays so many RPO teams where it's just like it's like they've they've schemed past edge rush out of the game of football and it's annoying to watch so that's part of it like watching him against Ole Miss and Mississippi State is just annoying because yeah. it's just worthless tape you can't eval in either direction with it but anyway and, go ahead and even with that said you know he had 19.5 sacks and 29.5 tackles for loss in his yeah. college career which is pretty impressive production in the sec too uh, tfls are important in terms of predictive power for college and his power is know. obvious for especially against bad tackles it's just about like a consistency and you know limited ops as you speak to griff but ty what did you think of Hall? Well, you know, you talked about it earlier, uh, you know, you guys address everything on the field, but you talked earlier about how important it seemed that character was for for the Seahawks heading into this draft. And I mean, there's you, you'd be hard pressed to find a, a, someone who has a better story than than Derek Hall. So, you know, that that obviously uh, I'm sure that had a pretty major impact on their decision here to go with him, um, especially so high at 37. I'm, I'm sure that they had some trade interest there. 
as well. And so to opt to uh, stick and pick Hall there, uh, I think speaks volumes as well. Yep. I think so. Really quick, like on the character thing, like why that's like what that probably in their eyes translates to like it's not just culture like always going to work hard like every prospect obviously has like a range of outcomes that you can foresee doesn't mean that they're going to hit one outcome or the other but if he has a a realistic potential and so i imagine to take him at 37 their character eval meant that they think it's likely he can hit his potential um based off of those factors so I, i guess that's why it's so important to them um yeah so okay so there's probably some stuff that i've missed on hall but it's clear that yeah as you said they they liked him uh character wise as well as what they can do on the field oh yeah schneider praised his motor hustle um so there you go i mean i i hope they're not drafting hustle and motor at 37 <laughs> overall like i hope like well he tries really hard that's great but what about football players yeah like what about playing the sport? Yeah. So, um, at uh, their it seems second, like you can uh, set the edge a little bit and all that. So, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Seems like there's some talent there. Anyway, sorry. Sorry. So with their second second round pick. Oh, so, sorry. I'm really bad at this. Grade <laughs> the pick. Oh. Um. I'll go. B. I'll go B. I was thinking B minus, but I'll I'll be nicer and go B. I'm gonna so I'm gonna err on the side of what my gut reaction was, and I'll go C plus right now, especially at the if this if this happened the third round, or even if it happened with their next second round pick, I would have given it a B. So you'd have taken um, Benton, would you? Or I would have, and I and I would ride the roller coaster with Benton and getting and, and trust that Hurt would get him up to speed with how he wants him to engage blocks consistently. Um, so yeah, I'll go B minus. <laughs> oh yeah, I look forward so to being wrong. With the second uh, second round pick, number fifty two overall, Seattle <coughs> picked up a running back in UCLA's Zach Charbonnet. As Schneider said, we kind of blew Zach off a little bit because we figured he'd be gone. As in, at the start of the day two, they didn't think Zach Charbonnet would be there. Obviously, Bijan Robinson went uh, uh, high and uh, Jameer Gibbs went high, both top 15 picks. Robinson, a top 10 pick to Detroit. Uh, guys, Running back. are you are you all right with this? So, I mean... I think they're gonna, they're definitely gonna pass a lot this year. But this is just another sign. They just really freaking like running backs. Um, but so if you're gonna take a running back, he probably was the best running back available. Um, he had a high explosive run rate in college, which is really important for predicting future success. Although I don't think his skill set really portends to having a high explosive run rate in the nfl he also had a high success rate though especially at a gun and interestingly especially at a pistol and i think that's really what they're going for here because he was probably the next best the best combination of having the best being the best player available at running back and also the specific type of running back they needed to complement ken walker i think walker will get better at the snap to snap consistency with you know patience and vision and hitting the hole when he should and just getting all the yards that are there when there's not a home run 
possibility. But what Charbonnet is really, really, really good at is kind of like Chris Carson with the shotgun inside zone run, feeling out that backside wash and then just hitting it, just hitting it and getting all the yards that are there. He has really good vision at the first level, second level, et cetera. Um, and he's not that he's not slow in the open field. He's just not like a difference maker. But I think he's still fairly explosive, though. So, like, you know, he can get zero to 60 pretty quick. It's just he doesn't get to 80. So he doesn't get 60 to 80 very often, you know, like Ken Walker can. Um, he's He doesn't he doesn't like erase people's angles, but he's a really like sharp cut runner and get up field. He can set up guys with his feet a little bit. It's impressive. Um, so I think he helps. I think he, as a running backs go, he makes a lot of sense. It's just, yeah, running back in, in the second round. So after they took a running back in the second round last year. So there's a natural value discussion to have. But what did yeah. you guys think? Yeah, the positional value thing, we can go on and on and on and about that. I find it painfully boring. though. <laughs> so, yeah. So uh, we won't go on for too long about that. But overall, hey, get good players. Zach Charbonnet is a good player. So at the end of the day, I'm, I'm cool with that aspect of it. And he does help them in some certain areas where they were lacking last year. And what's the, the biggest complaint that we really had with Kenneth Walker last year? Too hesitant at times, right? Mm-hmm. Doesn't yeah. really hit the hole. Inside, inside zone's a little bit of a problem for him. You're not getting the most out of those runs with him that you probably should. Charbonnet fixes that. So from that aspect, I like the pick. Value-wise, eh, not as much. But also, <laughs> if you were going to take Zach Charbonnet, that's that's where you were going to have to take him. So I don't know. It, it all... We can all go yeah. in a circle about this conversation at the end of the day. But he's a good player. If you want my grade, I'll just give the grade now. I, I'll give it like a C. I think, I think he'll help. Would I, would I have made that pick though? No. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh, Schneider mentioned Charbonnet's toughness, effort, and maturity. Uh, so again, clearly a good character guy. Uh, there was also an interesting thing about the upsets. So I said we'd talk about them. So Schneider said on their decision to trade down, which we'll analyze. But he said, you know, throughout the process, we had a couple of upsets there meaning that we had some guys go that we were interested in. It happens, especially early in the draft. Uh, And then also he mentioned how uh, specifically when asked about the defensive line, uh, he said, does his same logic about not panicking and pushing just to do it apply to the defensive line? Schneider responded, yes, exactly. Like I said, we've had, you know, had some upsets today and it happens, you know. So the real upset to highlight would be Keanu Benton going to the Pittsburgh Steelers at pick 49. That, given Seattle picked at 52, feels like a a sucker punch. Obviously, then Zach Pickens went at 60. uh, Byron Young went at 70. Seattle next picked in the 80s. Um, and and that was that. But before we get to what they did at the eighties, Griff, can you please grade the Charbonnet pick for me? Uh, I'll go C. It's okay. not a D. It's not an F. It's a C. I will give it a, a C plus because I feel uh, it's big. That one thing we haven't really mentioned. He's he's versatile in not just inside zone, but he's familiar with a lot of different concepts. And he can also catch the ball and he has done pass protection. Now, he mentioned how he can improve the kind of 
physical aspect to that and the technique aspect, but in terms of his awareness, he knows what he's doing. And so he should be able to contribute whenever Seattle needs him to, along with uh, Kenneth Walker's ability to do that. And uh, Pete Carroll spoke about finding the mix. I think it's also big to have genuine competition for Walker. And running back was a need for Seattle, just a flat-out need. Okay, they have Walker, who can uh, do a lot of stuff. But after him, DJ Dallas is fine. Travis Homer, they lost to as their passing down back, their elite pass protector. And then, obviously, also uh, Rashad Penny departed. So they did have a need there. They like having multiple running backs. And so it is what it is. Whatever. Seattle, again, best player available. So at 83, was it 83 or was it 89? I want to say 83. It was 83. Thank you, Ty. At 83, Seattle went to the Denver Broncos and traded down. Uh, The reason they traded down, Schneider said, uh, they had a goal that they wanted to try and get some stuff for next year's draft. Um, They also had the couple of upsets, and so um, they felt real blessed to be able to get into a deal with Denver. And he also said that next year's class is supposed to be really good. Now, Denver gave up pick... 108 so seattle moved down from 83 to 108 and they also gave up a third round pick next year which even for a future pick is a very high deal at first in the chat live it was reported to me by chat as a fourth round pick next year and i was like ah that's kind of steep but it's for future picks so maybe you you change from a fifth to a fourth but a third rounder denver really for uh riley moss really what's going on Anyway, a so, white cornerback. <laughs> hey, he I was haven't okay. seen that before. I haven't so, seen before. <laughs> in our life, I don't. I didn't but, even notice. Right, right. That's right, what blew right. my mind. Yeah, you just don't see that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you, so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> grade, grade the trade down. Uh, a plus, right? Like, it's great value. I don't yeah. know who and, they should have. Dra- I don't know who they could have drafted there, and, which makes that palatable. Yeah, yeah. I, I love. I love the subtext behind the the the, the trade of just being like, "Hey, this draft kind of sucks." <laughs> yeah, yeah. We like the we like next year's draft a lot better well, than this one. Yeah. So As we like yeah. went top fifty. What the hell? Yeah, um, yeah right. Like everyone else was gone, and the players that they would have even thought of taking there, they'd already taken. So. so what's cool about this as well is like who you who did you take there? Well, you take a center, you take a D tackle, uh, you take a guard. Um, and moving forward, like what do they get? They got guys who we thought maybe they should take there. Like yeah, yeah, they read the rest of the board correctly right there with that move. Yeah, so they may yeah, have, I mean, they it... may have been a bit messed up early, but then. I don't know what else they could have done about and, it, and then they got the rest of it right. And you know what that extra third round pick allows them to do? Get a quarterback if needed. It it allows them to package to package it along with another perhaps second round pick for DeForest mm-hmm. Buckner. Of so course, we're in yeah, good shape. Yeah. Oh, oh, you're right. doing that right, great. <laughs> or it, um, or it <laughs> allows them the luxury of trading for Zaria Smith. Exactly, guys. I think we can say it gives them flexibility. Yeah, sure. Sure. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Next year uh, is like round three. We'll get good players next year, though. So, might right. as well. Yeah. Or, or you know, a certain quarterback in Southern California. Well, the thing too, right? Like going back to the whole discussion about the, uh, you know, just who they would have drafted there, had they been forced to make that pick at eighty three, would have would it have been Anthony Bradford? Like, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah I, at a certain point, Ty, we've had this spoke about how they've whittled their board down, like numbers wise as well. Yeah. And they already had 10 picks. Like, um, who are they? Like, how, how many names have they got left? Like, guys just get pushed up, don't like inevitably. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so we're all giving that an A. plus. Yeah, A. plus. A plus. And we get to hate watch the Broncos for another year. There you go. <laughs> we have a so reason. with pick um, 108, as Ty has spoiled, but mm. guys, you should know this. You're listening to a podcast on the Seahawks draft. You you know what happened. Seattle took out of LSU uh, right guard Anthony Bradford, who also mm. has some experience elsewhere, but he's going to come in and push Phil Haynes. He tested as uh, a very athletic guard. He had over 33-inch long arms, big for Seattle. He was 332 pounds, but more impressively, with that size, six foot four as well, he had a 1.66 10-yard split, a uh, 7.84 seconds, three cone, which is fine. The agility was fine, but uh, then the jumps were excellent, uh, of eight foot 10-inch broad and a 30-inch vertical. So super athletic. And then on tape, uh, he's he's like moving guys, Important people like Duke Manyweather, um, Brandon Fawn, experts in their field liked him. Uh, Brandon Fawn compared him to Phil Haynes. Funny that is. And uh, yeah, the, he's familiar with like a pretty, uh, like the LSU offense translates to some of the stuff Seattle will do. Although it feels more inside zone and duo, maybe outside zone, he'll have to pick up a bit more uh, drift. With, with that combine, it should translate to outside zone under center or mid zone eventually. Right. Yeah. And they worked Um, him out, right? Yeah, they Uh did. And um, I really, so he's played some right tackle too. (laughs) You can tell the the technique um, applies to when he's playing guard. Like he's very, um, he makes it like a strong point to stay square to the line of scrimmage while still adjusting to the depth of the, the three technique where they're rushing him. So that's just like he understands footwork. He has a really good technical foundation. He understands angles. I think with his hands, he probably can't get away with some of the stuff he does. He'll he'll tend to punch down the center too often um, and leave his arm out there a little bit so it can, it can get clubbed down at times. Um, even though he tested well, I don't think he's like – he can be susceptible to like the speediest of speed rushes at times. Um coming hot down the B gap. So, but with, you know, improved technique and he has the combine theoretically, like the way guards develop in the league, like year two, year three, year three, especially they really start to flower. Um, I think he's a good, a really good player to take where he was taken. Um, And like, this is what, this is what the Packers do. Um, It really, it's also what the Rams do. They draft guys and let them sit on the, they draft guys in the mid rounds. They let them sit on the bench for a couple of years. And when they get pressed into service, they are serviceable, if not better than that. Um, that's kind of what happened with Haynes, right? And we'll see what, what happens with Haynes this year where he gets kind of the full, The he probably will be the starter. He, you know, he, uh, we'll see how he performs, but this will be like his best effort I think we'll see from Haynes. And then a couple of years from now, we might see Bradford. We might even see him in 2024. So, um, yeah, I really like the whole concept behind the pick, and I like him as a player. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's also a good hedge overall for Haynes because, I mean, Haynes has only played, what, five-ish games in his career. And, you know, they 
they're taking a shot on him. They they gave him a decent sized contract. Um, so you know we'll see. I mean, like they're like they obviously really like the player there, but there's a level of uncertainty there that's just undeniable. So uh, I like it from that perspective as uh, as well. And and Bradford seems like someone that might be able to contribute in 2023 if you do have to go to him. So yeah, mm-hmm. I'm down. There you go. Exactly what I needed. Like I. I... I'm annoyed at myself for not noticing that um, Anthony Bradford existed. Like I hadn't heard of him, and I'm now I've watched him a bit and looked at how he tested, and I just hadn't dove into yeah. the interior offensive line class enough. But he's like a really solid pick at this point he, in the draft. He so that that LSU offensive line was a mess, and their right guard, who was Bradford, definitely seemed like he had his act together the most. Um, also it's telling that they, and they said they were sweating Cameron Young. It's telling that they took him ahead of Cameron Young too. And <laughs> you know what? Considering Pete need. The, Pete Carroll on the radio to, uh, today to, uh, Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports. He said how, uh, Anthony Bradford, when asked like what pick, uh, he was pleasantly surprised about happening. He said Anthony Bradford. So yeah. pretty cool. And let's go into, and, uh, Cameron Young. Oh, hold on. I did it again. Anthony Bradford, grade the pick. B? Uh, I'll go B plus, because why not? Huh? We're, we're, we're hyping up a right guard taken in the fourth round. Why not? <laughs> well, well, I can't I, allow I Griff to be higher value. on a player than me, so B plus. <laughs> I've got A minus. Let's go. All right. Number 123 overall, round four, Cameron Young out of Mississippi State. Defensive tackle who, before the draft, I said would uh, be a good fit for Seattle. So, Cameron Young. You did say that. Yeah, no, you did say that. Yeah. I, I did say go. that. I said that, guys. You, I didn't mind him, but you liked you him more it. than me, and you said he fits them. So, there you go. Boom, bang. Boom. Now, did I think that he'd be their nose tackle? No, but... He is. He was 304 pounds. He probably did slim down slightly to do testing. He has over his 34 and a half inch long arms. Uh, he ran a 1.73 uh, second 10 yard split, which is uh, 8.1 on uh, Kentley Platt's relative athletic score. He had a nine foot broad, which is 7.24 out of 10 on the relative athletic score. He's strikes guys in the way that they like. Uh, he's hard to move. They said some kind of crazy stuff about him, which I'm not so sure about. Like, he was like the strongest guy at the point of attacking college football or some stuff like that. Uh this uh the way he the way he knocks back people is impressive and he said like that's his favorite part of resetting the line of scrimmage. So that's really cool. Good for him. Um Yeah. I don't think he fixes everything, but he shouldn't be expected to. That's not his problem. I think it's a solid pick as a plug and play guy who can play nose tackle, he can play a bit of three tech. Yeah. Uh not much more to say than that. Pass rush wise, there's nothing really, but yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, yeah, he's, uh, he is, you know, slightly different player, but he's a, a Tava Rubin. He's Tony McDaniel. He's Alan Branch. He's, you know, he's, he's all these guys. Um, in the fact that he can play nose and probably end for them in their base three, four, three, three, five nickel is really good. It's just good for like roster flexibility and you, you know, they needed to, even though, like, I went on and on and on about how much I liked Puna Ford, how much I liked Shelby and stuff, they can't be paying that many veterans 
more than vet, vet veteran minimum contracts. Like you need to get cheaper at a spot that even though I think they provide more value than what Cam Young probably factors to be, it's like if you're going to be spending money, you need to group that money together and go get Draymond Jones, which ultimately is what they did. And that means you need to replace Shelby and Puna with a rookie contract. And that guy that they replace him with needs to be a serviceable player. And I think he factors in it being that. So it's a fine pick. I give it a for where they took him and what the expectations are. It's a B solid B. Yeah. Uh, I love the <laughs> top of Ruben call, by the way, because that's immediately who I thought of. So there you go. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. B solid B. I'm really interested to see the whole, how the whole nose thing plays out with regards to Cam Young. Cause that was really interesting that they did announce him as that. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, 305. I mean, if I, I don't like in a five man front, where especially where you've got the beat the players in the B gaps, if you're just a good player, you can make it work. Like, because they don't have to be, they don't have to, even though they're playing, even though they're mirror stepping and playing a two gapping technique, they're not necessarily playing a two gap assignment. Like, you can lag the nose or you just fall into the backside A and it's just kind of bullshit. Like, you don't have to be 350. I think it's more fun when it's a 350 guy, but. And I said about him um, how he he's good at power stepping into guys. So that's typically outside shade stuff. But like actually mm-hmm. going back and watching him, it's a lot of actual inside alignment stuff where he's just playing really tight on and heavy on guys and stepping into them with like lateral footwork, but getting a really good strike and pulling his hip through and, and getting good knockback. So that applies <coughs> to that head up nose position. Um Pete Carroll said to him uh, during the NFL draft call, I'm not going to do a Pete Carroll impression, but I, I will try and get the uh, tone right. He said, we just want you to come in huge and ready to go. And I know the huge part's easy. That won't be a problem. Speaking of huge, the defensive coordinator wants to talk to you. This is Clint Hurt. Uh, so they want him to eat lots, which, again, I don't know if that, like, that's, you can't really force guy. That is somewhat of a projection. Like, even though yeah. he's knocking people back, you can't suddenly force a 300-pound guy to be 335-pound. Well, yeah. the, the the beauty of it is that if nose tackle doesn't work out in the vein they want it to work out, they can just have him play three and four eye, and it's fine. Whatever. Just mm. you just you're you're he's a 500 snap early down snap snap eater. That's all. That's that's all that's going on here. So, um. Now he yeah. said, "I got a little twist in pass rush." He used the word "twist," so all right, I'm not going to rule it out, but you know, okay, Just our expectations are what they are. Yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll give him a B plus. Uh, I think round four is actually probably a slight reach, but we will never know. Uh, I also think they had to do it that like they would have been screwed, and they said they were sweating that one out. Well, um, look, so you guys, look, look the Seahawks still him. wound up with the next Aaron Donald. Hell yeah. I mean, look who look who came after him at defensive line. It's like right. there is there is no one. It was Jacqueline Roy who was the next pure defensive tackle. Yep. So Seattle <laughs> then picked round five, pick one fifty one, defensive end Mike Morris, Michigan, who Griff had highlighted as a standout player uh, when watching Michigan. I'd also liked what I saw from him, but all of his stuff was mainly as an outside guy, right? Uh, and like a, almost in a two point, right? Like his best pass rush oh, is in yeah. a two point as an outside linebacker. He slimmed down to uh, the combine. He was 265. 
Uh, uh, and... Was he two sixty five? Really? Good lord! Hold on, hold on. Let me let me get the. I thought it was like two seventy something, but sorry, sorry. He was two seventy five, uh, six foot five, uh, thirty three and a half inch long arms, and he tested with a four point nine five seconds forty, which is poor, but a one point six four seconds ten yard split, which is wow. He jumped bad. Uh, his agility was bad. Um, but that ten yard split gives you something to work with. You add on a bit of weight, which somehow he's added on twenty pounds. Uh, yeah. He did that for the Seahawks uh, and was like sending them a video of him on the scales that morning that they took him in on day three. So he clearly wanted to be a Seattle player. It talked to his agent about the decision as well. And so rather than playing him as a 4-3 end or a outside linebacker in the 3-4, they're going to play him as a 3-4 defensive end. But in Seattle, that basically means as a 3-tech, uh, occasionally a 4 yeah. which he's done a bit of, but as Pete Carroll himself admitted, is kind of a projection. Like he hasn't actually done too much of it. They said uh, no more backing away from tables to him, like load up on food. Um <laughs> Mm-hmm. keep on growing we're going to work you inside get you at free tech uh let's keep them damn calories on clint hurt told him so this yeah. is like uh wild this is wild but they clearly like the guy They're big on his character he was disappointed about the season ended because he had a high ankle sprain that kind of uh stalled his progress but griff this is like you liked him but it's it's such a funny well the, the whole idea is funny to me i really i really liked him as a player and that I thought he was the third rounder. So getting him in the fifth is, is good value. Like, I don't care about his combine, but that was all under the pretense that he's an edge. And he wasn't just one of the, I mean, so the idea was like, okay, he's six, six. If he's truly played as college listed weight of 292, six, six, 292 moving as fluidly as he does. Like he has the movement skills of a guy who's like six, six, 275 moving with but that means because he moves that well that means like there's 290 pounds behind every movement and like yeah he's got a really really good like long arm it can work inside the tackle but he's one of those bigger guys that even though he is a power rusher like his game is power he uses space to set up stuff he's not necessarily playing in a phone booth right off the snap like he likes to use his length and height and his footwork his 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 again his coordination his movement skills out out in space and then powers it uh, cranks it back in and stuff like that so projecting him to the inside as a rusher is interesting because it's like he doesn't win in short area even though he's a power guy he kind of likes to set up stuff so it, it feels like a projection in a lot of ways but the thing is i think their thinking is you know we're gonna he doesn't necessarily have a pad level issue he's just as tall so um I think the idea is we're going to have him with his hand in the dirt one. You start there. He's going to be playing with a, a shorter area because we're going to force him to. And then his just his natural coordination and like and, and fluidity will eventually take over is I think that is the theory is the intention. I don't know if it will. Um, so but if it if it if the pass rush skills and acumen does apply inside, that's great because that means they got another guy that can rush the passer inside. But then what will really take it to new heights is if his run defense is good enough to warrant playing him on early downs, have him actually be a factor of the early down rotation. Because if it does, then that means you you also get the benefits of his pass rush on early downs. It's just he's in an, he's in a, an idea right now, uh, start to finish, as Jared Kelnick hits a double off of the right field wall. One runner scores. <laughs> um, it's it's 2-1 Mariners at the top of the eighth. Um 
Wow. Jerry Bonds, cool baby. Yeah, Jerry, Jerry Bonds. Jerry Bonds. Jerry Bonds. <laughs> um, uh, anyway, so yeah, I, I like the pick. It's just, it's kind of, it's Pandora's box. It's Pandora's a, box with him. He had a breakout season last year of 11 tackles for loss, seven and a half sacks, but that was mainly from outside production. So, right. I mean, the, 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 buy-in is that he's only 22 years old and you know maybe still learning his body and stuff like that but uh yeah this is quite the projection as cool as the idea is it's uh it's it's wild um and it's it's sort of a thing where seattle kind of had to do it with how the draft played out and where they're at but it's yeah. crazy that they've had to do it um but it's also gonna be fun to see it play out ty yeah your thoughts I mean, everything that Griff said, right? Like, I just, there's no way to really assess this pick until we actually see, because it's a completely different role for him. I have no idea how he's going to adapt to playing that. <laughs> like, I just, I I can't, I feel like it would be irresponsible to both give him a grade lower or higher than C, because it's just, <laughs> it's C for wait and see, because we have no mm, no idea. Oh, that was good, Ty. I like that. that. Was I good. feel bad was... for him, because it's not his fault. And, like, he has, right. like, some pretty intriguing tape. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to steal that, Ty. I'll go C+. Plus. There you go. I'll All go right. uh, I'll, I'll go B, just because he's in the fifth round. Like, why the hell not? It's a fifth round gonna, pick. My C+, plus is we have to wait and see. Plus, he might, you know, turn out good. Uh, right. <laughs> So, pick one five four. Just three picks later, Olu Oluwatimi, uh, Oluwatimi out of Michigan, the center. It's actually Ulu. It's Ulu. The the Seahawks put out a pronunciation guy. Oh, my nice. apologies. Ulu Oluwatimi. Olu That's such a good name. So so the eyes are all short eyes. Tim, no, the first yeah. eye is it's, the, it's Timmy. The yeah. short Timmy. Then the Timmy. second eye is long eye. Okay. Oluwatimi. Timmy. Okay. There we go. Let's not get that wrong. Yeah. Okay. So this was Griff, probably your best center after uh, Tipman. And well, no, I had I had Wipler in front of him, but the he ended up small. Right. And I actually thought the play strength wasn't there. He's just really solid. Um, he's really solid in pass protection. As a run blocker, he's good on combos. I don't think he really someone someone somebody said like publicly who's like a high profile person was like it might have even been John Schneider. Somebody said that he like really moves bodies run blocking, and I don't see that. I think he's just fine. Like at least one on one, he doesn't really, but he's Again, part of combos, he's fine, but pass protection is really solid. I think he can get rocked a little bit because, yeah, he's a center. Those guys aren't that big. Um, if they were, they'd be guards. Um, well, you say that, but he does have 33-inch long arms at his pro day, 32 and three-quarter at the uh, the combine, and uh, he's 309 pounds and six foot two and a half. Like, that is pretty big. That's for a good center. density. Yeah, that's good density. And yeah, so, but I like him. And then also, a lot of the, a lot of the things, a lot of the things people say about him when they're heaping praise on him is how smart he is. And that's so important for center communication with protections, chemistry with the quarterbacks, handling stuff post snap, like uh, handoffs or uh, pass offs on twists and stuff. Um, so, I think it's uh, it's a really good pick. So, love it. I love yeah, it. I give uh, it a, I give nine it a B foot plus. two inch broad jump as well, which impressive numbers. Ty, uh, 
And oh, and a seven point five eight seconds three cone is not is above mm. average. Ty, how how are you with? Yeah, I mean, he's played a lot of games, a lot of experience there. Like he's just solid across the board. He's you know kind of a jack of all trades, master of none type of dude. Uh, he's gonna play some games for this team and start some games, and I think that you you feel pretty good about that. I don't think that he's gonna be. I mean, at least as far as projections go, I don't know if he's going to be a long-term starter, but as far as having depth and in case, you know, Evan Brown gets hurt or, or doesn't pan out this year and, you know, whatever down the line, I mean, for a fifth-round pick, to me, this is, as far as value goes, this is an A for me. I, I think he's just really solid. He's going to he's gonna help them. And he gives yeah. them good depth along the line. So. And White Plover's tiny and Ohio State's offense does not ask as much as Michigan's offense. Like something that John Schneider <coughs> spoke about as well was, and Pete Carroll, how Michigan's offense asked more of centers. He made the run and pass calls. You could see like the little I've watched of him, the kind of stuff going on line of scrimmage that he's responsible for, a bits of that anyway. And he's described as super smart. And Duke Manyweather, the offense line expert, he said how he's Seattle at the future's starting center. He's going to push Evan Brown, and that's exactly what they needed. And hopefully some future of the position uh we will see but they needed this and having young depth rather than like aging depth or like off the street depth uh is is mm-hmm. really nice so uh I, i'm a big fan of that move i'll give it uh fine i'll give it an a as well griff um yeah yeah i'll uh i'll give it a b plus <laughs> okay is, is what i said Hater. Hater. I, 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 yep. I like the no, same I, negative. Fine, a minus, a minus. Okay, we're nearly there. Number 198, sixth round. Jarek Reed the second out of New Mexico. This hey, was... there we go. UNM, baby. Let's go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Represent, Ty. <laughs> Let's right, go. We have an alumnus. <laughs> well, technically, I, I went to the nine. community college um, that, that uh, you know, th- there was some classes taken at UNM, you know, I... I but look, I, I was an honorary. I was an honorary member. All right, I was an honorary go. Lobo. Works for me. Yeah, works for me. Yeah. So he was relatively unknown, other than the fact that he had a top thirty visit in Seattle. Uh, he tested really well, other than he's just small. Like he had a four four eight, a four four six second forty. He had a, a thirty eight inch vertical. Uh, but he's 196 pounds and under five foot ten. So Griff, you obviously hate him because he's short. Where is this coming from? I like the small guys. It's on defense. I like the small guys. <coughs> ah, <coughs> offense. It's a little different. Well, I like small receivers too. I got nothing on small receivers. But you you then see the highlight tape of Jarek Reed, and he looks like a mini Quandre Diggs. And Pete Carroll then is asked about, is he like, does Quandre Diggs, uh, his experience sort of encourage you to make this pick? And he says yes. Then their situation's fairly similar. They're both six-round picks. You can see elements of the, like both in each other. And I think it's cool how he has experience in a 3-3-5 defense, which New Mexico State runs. Which isn't a three three five like the three three five personnel that Seattle gets in now, but it's a three three five like a three three stack, which is a three safety system, which requires each of the safeties to do a variety of things: a bit of nickel slot coverage, a bit of high coverage, a bit of down in the box coverage, a bit of playing a deep half shell over the top, a bit of playing in the post third, a bit of everything. So he's well versed in a lot of different coverages and a lot of different things. Uh, and Kyle Scott clearly had an interesting time with him on the visit. He said, like, remember what we talked about. This guy seems serious. Uh, 
Schneider described him as an angry little dwarf, which uh, he clearly is a fan of. And uh, yeah, yeah, he's got a chip on his shoulder. He mentioned how you know he came up from came up from the mud, being from Mississippi. Uh, that's how he feels about it. And uh, he also wants to prove that uh, prove that young uh, the small DBs can make it. So yeah, pretty cool he... pick for a sixth rounder. I think he he's played all special teams as well, so he's going to be a special teamer, a great guy to push. Um, Virginia safety, Seattle depth. What's his name? Joey mm-hmm. Young. You mean Blunt? Joey Blunt. Yep. Joey there you go. Blunt. Thank you. Great um, guy to push, Joey Blunt. Cr- cracking up four two. Um, yeah, I mean, great. I feel like six round pick. He had a really good combine. They talk about his aggressiveness. They've talked about him as a gunner. I feel like primarily he's just an exciting special teamer, right? I mean, at least that's where he's going to start. Um, I really liked how Pete described him and Maddie, how you described his his profile as an actual uh, safety. Though Pete used the phrase, he's he's as a slot. He's like a safety cover guy. So, I mean, there are two types of slots. Slots. There are the man cover slots who can actually man up on a slot receiver, carry them across the field, and cover one. And then there's the guys that can, you know, carry them and cover three. There's some overlap there with the cover one stuff, but then kind of the inside leverage matching stuff like that. Um, the So I, I'm curious to see. I mean, he didn't have a great three cone, but he, otherwise he tested really well. Maddie, I'll be curious when, when you dive into his tape, what kind of slot he is precisely. Like, do we get any snaps of him manned up on a slot receiver a shifty 5 9 175 slot guy who runs a crazy three count how does he handle that otherwise yeah it just sounds like he's safety depth the kind of safety you can roll down with uh, outside rotation and cover three in a pinch perhaps and then the inside leverage overhang and too high where he's over a slot receiver but not really carrying him like the ugo amadi brand but theoretically much more explosive um maybe more of a playmaker mentality although ugo was really solid with his assignments and roles and stuff like really solid but um um so yeah let's uh why not six round pick on the conference call it's interesting how he said that um seattle told him he'll play the safety slash nickel position slot corner position also just everyone special teams like i don't want to read too much into it but uh julian love being signed Maybe they're planning to run more three three five nickel bear where rather than having a nickel like Kobe Bryant out there, they have a third safety in there like a Jamal Adams, uh and then they have another safety and they rotate. They can try and be interchangeable. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Interesting tie. I hope we see more three three five. Yeah. Uh I think he's gonna make an impact on special teams right away <laughs> and you know, again, you got to think long term about the safety position. It seems like they're already doing that with the structure of Julian Love's deal. You know, who knows what future Jamal Adams has in Seattle, and then you know who knows what the future is going to look like for Quandre as well. So, uh, I like adding the asset. He's someone that I think can be developed a little bit. He's kind of like a ball of clay, and and you know, uh, we'll see if he uh, gets into any game action this year. But uh, I, I like the the long term outlook for him overall. So I'll give it a I'll give it a B. There you go, Griff. Did you grade it? Yeah, I did B plus. I'll go B plus. I'm being very positive. Yeah. Blimey. There you go. Look at you. B positive. All right. Right. Final pick. pick. We've done it, guys. Number 237 overall, round seven, Kenny McIntosh with the coolest draft call. He was very emotional. 
Because it looked like he's going to go undrafted. Maybe on reflection, it's better to go undrafted. But instead, he's a Seattle Seahawk. The Georgia guy, he didn't run very fast, which I think probably matters to people. Mm. Uh, He also had good blocking, obviously, playing at Georgia. But still, like he was a productive back. And, okay, he ran a four, four, six, two seconds, 40. But he can do a bit of everything for Seattle, right? Yeah, yeah, special teamer, pass protection. I mean, they, they need depth. Like, he's the fourth running back on the depth chart. Those guys still get carries. As a runner, I don't think he has any special traits, but I think he's really well-balanced, like good vision, not the best long speed, um, but there's something, like some, some breakaway. Um, uh, he's got good contact balance. He's not the biggest, strongest, most powerful guy. It's like he checks off a lot of boxes, just he, he doesn't check off any one of them super well or at a super high rate. Um, but I think he's a good all-around football player, and getting him in the seventh is 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 pretty solid. So I'm all for it. <clears throat> yeah, the the thing that I heard when he was first picked was like, oh, he's a good pass catcher, but that's really it. I, I don't think that's the case at all. I think he can do a little bit of everything for them. Um, pass catching is a good point, yeah. Yeah, pass catching is like a, a strength of his, though, and he actually runs some pretty good routes as well, so... I think that's um, where he immediately contributes, right? Like, yeah. like if you think about how Homer first got his reps, like it's got to be as that kind of scat back, right? Mm-hmm. Don't yeah. whatever a- you do, do not search on Twitter scat back. Just don't do it. Mm-mm. No, don't do that. Um, the interesting thing too is that Georgia, the way that they deployed him, they they kind of used him as a as a Swiss army knife a little bit. They, they, they ran some jet sweeps with him and, and he seemed pretty comfortable with that. And, and they had some success with that. So maybe that's something that they, that they explore with them because they've tried to do that a little bit here in the past under Waldron. Mm-hmm. So um, maybe that's something that they try to do with him as well on top of the pass catching stuff and, you know, having him come in on third downs for pass protection. But I, I think he's someone that I think he's probably going to make this team because they've typically carried four running backs anyway. So, yeah. Um, yeah yeah so i i think he ends up making this team and i think he ends up carving out a role for himself (laughs) a little bit it's just going to be interesting to see what exactly that that looks like that would be so cool for him as well because yeah he was so emotional and he seems like he's fully in so it's a clever kind of pick to make really because you're going to get a highly motivated player um yeah yeah okay trade that pick hey hey D. <laughs> no, okay, I'll give it a B minus. Okay. okay, I don't. I running back to a slow. I mean, what, 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 are, we, what are we talking about here? I mean, it's a seventh round pick. Fine. Whatever. Okay, Hater. that's the Seahawks Hater. draft. Uh, finally, I wanted to mention how Seattle left this draft with only one over 300 pound interior defensive lineman. We can talk about undrafted free agents another time, I think, because this podcast has been rather long. Uh, (laughs) Recap of the full roundup of the Russell Wilson trade. We had a question about the Russell Wilson trade, a kind donation from Reflect the Sun, asking, is the Seattle trade of Russell Wilson to Denver now confirmed to be a better deal than when Dallas traded Herschel Walker, or do we need to wait a year or two to see? Interesting question. The full roundup of it, because Seattle's now used those Denver picks that they got. The Broncos got Russell Wilson and uh, Iomi Ioma Wuzurike. 
A Wazirike, yeah. A Wazirike. Sorry, the E looks like an... The A looks like an E. The Wazirike. Uh, 2022 fourth-round pick. Seattle got quarterback Drew Locke, tight end Noah Fan, defense tackle Shelby Harris, uh, offensive tackle Charles Cross, outside linebacker Boye Mafe, outside linebacker Tyreek Smith, who we've yet to see, cornerback Devon Witherspoon, and outside linebacker Derek Hall. Is that Herschel Walker bad, or do we need to wait? Uh, it's bad. Well, I guess I guess we have to wait because I mean, what if he what if he plays like he did in his best years in Seattle next year? Then you know, Denver is make it take you coward. So far, is absolutely horrific, and I, there's no reason yeah. to be super optimistic other than just wish casting. I'm not saying uh, it's impossible, but, um, but Sean Payton, offensive genius, maybe he'll let right. Russ cook. <laughs> of course, maybe finally Russ will cook, or yeah, maybe, maybe he'll run the ball in an effective manner and scheme up the right amount of play action deep shots, which are effective. Perhaps, which wasn't that. Or, or they could throw it 55 times a game. So, because that's, that's perfectly tailored to Russell's skill set. You know, Russell Wilson did have surgery on his knee. uh, So maybe he's healthy. True. He was on the injury report. Got it. Got a new knee in there. Yep. Yep. Yeah. All right. Okay, so not uh, I'd say it's slightly early, but um, also we kind of can believe what we've seen from Russ because this isn't a one-year deal. Yeah, to to answer the question directly, it's it's bad, it's bad. Yeah, and like what we've heard out of Denver and how Sean Payton views Russ and that whole thing. Yeah, yeah. I would. I'm intrigued, and we have a reason to vote uh, to root against the Denver Broncos. <laughs> not just me being a toxic Matty. But right. they gave uh, Seattle a third round pick for. Uh, we we wouldn't want to be toxic so, here. Yeah, screw Denver. And uh, yeah. Whoa, and whoa. ha ha ha, the Avalanche. I'm a big hockey fan. Amazing. <laughs> lol, lol. Lol, 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 lol. Denver washed. Go Kraken. Right. Denver Mariners. doesn't have a post. Go Kraken. <laughs> go Kraken. Mariners, go are up. Mariners are up 2 1 over the Oakland Athletics. Seattle Kraken are up four to three over the Dallas Stars. They just gave up a goal. They but... can't still call them the Athletics in Las Vegas, can they? There's just no way that works. The Las Vegas Athletics, no, no. And it's just wrong. Like if you're gonna yeah. relocate like that. Yeah, they can't do the whole Raiders thing. They gotta rebrand fully. Anyway, mm-hmm. I have thing to finish this off in terms of the Seahawks is Pete Carroll on the Seahawks NFL draft. We did not draft by need, but we drafted for the guys that we really wanted. I think we saw that play out. Yeah. Except and, except for day three, that seemed to be more balancing need and well, the guys they wanted. I guess. And then Pete also said... An observation from when we walk out tonight, it feels like we've continued from where we left off last year in the draft, just the kinds of people, the opportunities that the guys are going to be faced with when they come here and they see their chances. It's going to feel like last year in some regards. It's our job to do a good job to put that together and make sure that that happens and we maintain the momentum and the movement. We love last year's class and we're fired up about this year's class and it just feels like we've added on to it. And I wonder, you know, interior defensive line, Shelby Harris maybe, Al Woods maybe, but... It's a big, big opportunity for Cameron Young, a fourth-round pick, to be playing some very significant snaps, and for Mike Morris, a fifth-round pick who has not even played inside that often, to be playing big snaps. So, 
Seattle wanted to get more dynamic up front. They added Draymond Jones as a big blockbuster free agent. They've also lost a lot of players, and I don't really know how they can fill those holes without rookies stepping up. So it's going to be interesting. We we'll have a pod on the undrafted free agents. Uh, we'll have a pod doing tape breakdowns. We also actually kindly had a donation. By the way, you can get a super sticker, and we had a donation from Andy Car- Adam Carter sorry, saying super sticker, and I saw what the super sticker is. It's a coffee. It's a coffee mug, what? which is perfect for us. Let's go. So, Adam, enjoy your virtual coffee and your super sticker. Thank you for the donation. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in live. If you're listening, please give us a five-star review. If you're watching right now, like the video, subscribe to the channel, follow the Twitter at Seattle Overload, follow Ty at Dane Gunzelers, follow Griff at C Mike Spinmoo, follow me at Matty F. Brown, subscribe to my Substack, Seahawks on Tape. Uh, there'll be tape breakdowns on there as well. Uh, make sure you check out what everyone else is doing. Uh, Ty also has his Mariners stuff. Maybe they'll get to 500. Hey, we're we're one step closer, potentially. Three outs away. Three outs away from being one step closer to 500. Sheesh. Let's go. Game of time, Until baby. next time. Let's go. 1-0 mindset. This has been the Seattle Overlook.